Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208 336 3700 pounds, 670 on your Verizon wireless. Phone lines are open. You can also email us. It's 44 degrees in downtown Boise. The uh, Dow right now, after being open for 37 minutes, only down 13. Pretty much everything is uh, flat. Standard and poor down a little bit. NASDAQ down a little bit. Uh, but it's not too bad as of this morning. I think the uh, entire market is uh, waiting to see <laughs> what will come out of that meeting today by the uh, leaders and President Biden on debt ceiling. Well, they're not that they're going to cooperate and work together, or if everybody's going to just stick their feet in the sand and say, we're not moving, you have to move. Their feet if we're lucky. Hopefully. That's what we're hoping. The debt ceiling will be increased, but we'll find out. That meeting is happening uh, sometime uh, this morning. You have the shooting that uh, went on in uh, Texas that we can talk about. Uh, a bill you heard there at the top of the hour. Probably get into a little bit about that, about the uh, new bill probably isn't going to pass having to do with raising the age of people in the state of Texas being able to purchase yeah. a assault rifle. And you can't really call that a reactionary bill based on the shootings because uh, it, it wouldn't have, as they said in the news, it wouldn't have made a difference in the one in Allen. The guy was in his 30s. How many shootings would it have made a difference in? I don't know. I mean, we've talked a lot about these shootings over the last four years. You know, I always say How that. often is the person, you know, under yeah. the age of 21? I, I can't remember too many. What, what always gets me is the first thing they always want to know, not me, but the first thing a bunch of people always want to know when there's a shooting, where did the individual get the gun? To which I always say, you can get a gun everywhere. Heck, we had, we had a story yesterday how, how many guns have been stolen in Meridian. Well, yeah, out of cars. Out of cars. Unlocked cars. A quarter of the car burglaries in Meridian last year, yeah. one quarter of the car burglaries, a gun was stolen out of the car. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of times it was an unlocked car. I just don't think it's the, the most, gun was being I just don't think it's the most in. important question because, I mean, yes, you can get a gun anywhere. Somebody can give you a gun. Uh, you can steal a gun. There are guns all over the place. It's just a country where we have guns. So why is it so important how the individual got hold of one? Uh, the the you know the, the the fact that he just went in and started killing people is the important thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, already this week <laughs> we, we we had some consternation in emails yesterday. We don't get a, a very often get to share really good stories that people can agree on. But I have one of those for you this morning, and I wanted to play this because it really is a heartwarming, good story. Maybe might end up being the good story of the year. A former garbage man named Rahan Stanton had always dreamt of attending Harvard Law School. That was his lifelong dream. But his grades didn't quite get to the point where he could get into Harvard, let alone have the chance to get some scholarship money to pay for it. So he ended up, after high school, having to go to work as a garbage man. This isn't goodwill hunting, is it? I, no. Okay. Just, this is a much better story I, I than just, that, because number I, I one, just, it's true. I just wanted to check. Um, this is uh, from ABC's David Muir. gives us a story. Take a listen. Who shared with us his dream years ago. But clearly, he did not give up. We have followed the extraordinary story of a proud young garbage man who dreamed of Harvard Law. 
Years later, he's now about to graduate, but not without paying it forward. We first introduced you to Rahan Staten from Bowie, Maryland, three years ago. His single father raising him. And here's what Rahan first told us. Time got really tough. I mean, food insecurities, housing insecurities. We didn't even have heat in the winter. He was struggling. My GPA was like a low 2.0, and I got denied by every single college I applied to. So I just opted to go work for the local trash company. Waking up at 4 a.m. to go to work, telling us the garbage men he worked with encouraged him to keep fighting for his dreams. They saw something in me. They uplifted me. Rahan going back to school, getting his grades up at the University of Maryland. Go to work, clean my dumpsters, get off, go to school. Then after school, I go back to finish the shift. And that was pretty much my day. The next dream, Harvard Law. All right, let's go. All ready? And this was the moment he learned. All right, all right, I'm clicking it. Congratulations! I got into Harvard, and really, it was probably just the greatest moment of my life. And tonight, nearly three years later... Hi, David. Rahan here again. He remembered to keep us updated, about to graduate in just weeks. The last time I talked to you, it was 2020. I just got accepted into Harvard Law School, and even till this day, I can't believe that happened. And determined to keep his vow of paying it forward raising an astonishing $70,000 with help from his old trash company, raising the money for janitors and support staff at Harvard, including Breon Merchant, who has worked in the cafeteria for 16 years. Visibility matters. Quality of life matters. The fact that people know that they're being appreciated for the work they do, that matters. And that's always going to be important to me. Important to all of us. We're cheering you on, Rahan, and all of the sanitation workers hard at work every day, paying it forward. Such a cool story. And for those people, you know, and I, and I get it. A lot of people, oh, I'm never going to be able to afford college. I'm never going to be able to do it. My grades were, I couldn't get a scholarship. I can't afford to go to college. Here's a guy who went to Harvard, one of the most expensive schools to go to, by the way, uh, Harvard Law. And, and you heard how hard he worked. He would mm-hmm. go to work in the morning. He would go to school and then he would come back and go to work at the, as a garbage man. Full-time job as a garbage man. Full-time student and is graduating from Harvard Law in three years. Paid his own way through college. Normal normal amount of time. Most people aren't working full-time jobs and going to school (laughs) full-time. So, I mean, you you have to imagine this kid probably had some 15, 18-hour days, would be my guess. I would imagine so. I'm just, I've never gone to law school. I'm guessing you can't just float your way through law school. No, you have to... um, Probably do a little studying. Study and, and, you know, learn the stuff. That would be my guess. Yeah. So, I mean. You never, hear, you never hear of anybody going, yeah, I went through law school, never cracked a book. <laughs> yeah. It, it's Did something you pass? Definitely no, just, no, I didn't pass. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, I never cracked a book. How, how many times did you uh, take the uh, bar exam? Well, I'm on 33 so yeah. far and still haven't passed. I have high hopes, though. But just kind of a cool story. It uh, Hopefully, it will make you feel a little bit better today.
Another thing that might make you uh, feel a little bit better, coming up here this Friday, we've got a couple things going on. Number one, going to be at an all-new location for our hometown breakfast, brought to you by Cloverdale Plumbing. You're invited to come on out and uh, join us once again, coming up this Friday. We're going to be at Candy's Cafe on State Street. The other thing going on Friday, once again, it's another sweet deal. These sweet, This sweet deal is going to go by fast because the food is so good at the Euro Shack. That's right. Euro Shack is back with their half-price deal this Friday morning. Uh, and this is good for any one of the locations through any of the Treasure Valley. And there's a whole bunch of them, uh, by the way. Uh, Euros, they're tzatziki of the gods. They also have the Philly, BLT, chicken, bacon, ranch. All of those, not just sandwiches or the Euros, made to order rice bowls and salads. Believe it or not, I don't know if you've ever tried the uh, Euro Shack's French fries. Have you ever uh, had oh, yeah, I, I have had them. I've had everything there. <laughs> French fries are fantastic. This Friday morning at 9 a.m., get ready to go to KBOI.com as usual. Click on the Sweet Deal link, and you can get $50 in gift certificates for only $25 to the Euro Shack. Keep in mind, this is one of those that always sells out in five minutes. Will it be as fast as Costa Vita last week? What was it, two minutes, 20 seconds? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that, that fast, but it's going to sell out. Right. So write down, remember, whatever it takes, Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Go to KBOI.com, click on the Sweet Deal link. Don't forget, if you want to take advantage of Sweet Deals right now, they are available. You can go there right now, click on the link, KBOI.com, go to the Sweet Deals link, and take advantage of those deals. Stick around. We'll take a uh, check on traffic and weather coming up here next. After that, we've got Luke Combs concert tickets and your choice, either that or $50 gift certificate to Quinn's Restaurant and Lounge. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question after traffic weather. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It is the Casper and Chris damn near impossible question brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. Call 208-888-4128 today for all your real estate needs. Looking to sell, buy, or maybe invest. Doesn't matter what it is. They can help. All right, we've got uh, choice, Kent. You're going to get first crack at our question, either at Luke Combs concert tickets, May 20th at Albertson Stadium, or a $50 gift certificate to Quinn's Restaurant and Lounge. Question for you, what was the first product to use a barcode in the U.S.? Wrigley's gum. We'll take gum. You got the wrong brand, though, but we don't need the brand. It was a pack of Juicy Fruit gum. What? Is that that's that's Wrigley's? Is that Wrigley's yeah. company? All yeah, right, you got the right brand. Wrigley's. Yeah. Well, and we didn't even need the brand. We just needed gum. That's all you had to do was gum. It's right. now in the Smithsonian Institute. Congratulations. Now, what do you want? That, that that's the easy part. Answering the question. Oh, uh, the easy part's Luke Combs. You want Luke Combs concert tickets? Yes, Kent. They are yours. Congratulations, Luke Combs. You're going to be there May 20th, Albertson Stadium, hole on the line. We've got more tickets for Luke Combs to give away all this week. We have a $50 gift certificate now to give away to Quinn's Restaurant and Lounge. Stick around. We'll give that away sometime here within the next hour. All right? Within the next hour, we will give it away. Be ready to call 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. You won't have to answer any stupid questions. You'll only have to be caller number six. Lock in your speed dial. Quinn's Restaurant and Lounge, as I lounge, as I said, they've got uh, on the weekends prime rib dinner for two that you can get for under 
$50, and that includes all the fixings. Plus, they've just got great food, great drinks, Gwyn's Restaurant and Lounge, $50 gift certificate still on the way. Phone lines are now open, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. We'll take a break uh, on the way. Then we got news. When we come back, it is our final Bronco Tuesday of this, well, this spring, anyway, uh, of the school year. This is the final one until we begin in the fall when football starts up again. And uh, we are talking about one of the teams and with the coach of that team that has had one of the big successes this year at Boise State. And there's been a lot of teams with a lot of success. Um, You may say this so far has been one of the teams with uh, one of the biggest successes because of some of the records that they have set so far this year. We're going to be talking about Boise State softball when we come back. Bob Beeler will be with us after news at the bottom of the hour. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler. On your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. It is 8.38, and I, I have to say, Bronco Tuesdays this year have been an absolute pleasure and not because we've had great guests like we do this morning, um, but because of the success that Boise State has had with all of their sports this year, it's just been awesome to talk about. And one of those teams that probably has been seen the most success up to this point, and there's still little work to do, is the coach of the team we're going to be talking to this morning. And we're going to talk to the Mountain West regular season champion softball team, their head coach, Jason Schultz. Uh, congratulations, coach, on bringing home the regular season title. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on again. Well, why don't you tell us, how was it done this year? You guys finished 16-5, and five, atop the Mountain West. Why did you guys win the regular season? Uh, I think it came down to consistency. I think that's the biggest thing when you're playing a uh, – we only played 21, but 22 games slate in conference. It's the the team that's most consistent week in week out is going to usually win that title. And I, I really thought we did that. We took care of business against teams we were supposed to, and really didn't have any losses that um, could have hurt us in the long run. Was there one thing, one aspect of the team that maybe came together during the conference season that maybe was something you didn't expect that helped push you over the top? Uh, no, I think we got it. I think we got it in a lot of different ways. I think early on our pitching was um, a little thin and spotty at times, and we really hit the ball well. Um, and then on the flip side, later in the season, I thought we really got really good outings from our pitching staff. And um, I mean, without what we did uh, in the circle against Fresno State, I don't think we're talking about a championship right now. I think we're talking about being runner-up. Um, our pitching was uh, outstanding all weekend last weekend, and they really kept us in every single ball game. Is everybody uh, healthy for the tournament? Uh, everybody is healthy for the tournament as of today, so let's knock on some wood and um, hope it stays that way. We got two more practices. I'm usually pretty light at this point in the season, just trying to get the reps they need, um, keep the focus on who we're going to possibly be facing. Um, but we're not trying to run them into the ground right now. Their bodies are pretty banged up as a whole, but um, everybody in the country feels this way probably right now. Coach, you had kind of a change in philosophy at the beginning of this season compared to last season and you had much tougher competition that you faced this year didn't have quite as good a record as you had last year um how do you think that worked out for you this year what did that end up being a big advantage 
Oh, it's a huge advantage. Um, once again, we're not talking about a regular season championship without that preseason. Uh, we we hit some really low lows early in the year. Um, started to doubt ourselves uh, just from a skill set standpoint. I think coaching staff even sat there and said, what did we get ourselves into at times? Um, but I think it set us up. Our team, we would lose a game um, once in a while in conference, and you never saw panic because we had already lost games early in the year where last year, I think, um, when we played UNLV, I always go back to that series. Um, they punched us in the face, and it took us a couple games to recover. Um, this year, that wasn't the case. We we would play one game at a time, and if it was a good game, we'd move on. If it was a bad game, we'd uh, we'd respond immediately rather than waiting a game or two. Now, you, you lost um, some games early in the season, as you mentioned, but some of those teams, now that the uh, season regular season has come to an end, some of those teams ended up being very, very good. What, what, where did some of those teams that you faced early in the year in, in, end up finishing in their conferences? Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the big three that I think we played, and we played a lot of good teams, but I look at Stanford, top 10 in the country, and we played them twice. We played um, Washington, top 10 in the country, uh, Georgia, top 10. Uh, we played them twice. So, I mean, those are three uh, three of the best teams. We played Wichita State, who's number 20 in the country. We run-ruled them 8 nothing. Um, so I think you start to look at our resume. And, yeah, we took some lumps here and there, but we also played some good softball at times against some really, really talented teams. So um, right now we're sitting on that bubble watch again, which is never fun to be. Um, the nice thing is we get to control our own destiny this weekend. Um, but I would expect at least they're going to be talking about us in the committee if, um, for whatever reason, we don't win the tournament this weekend. Talking softball with Mountain West regular season champion uh, Boise State softball, Justin Schultz, the head coach. They're getting ready to go to San Diego for the tournament, which begins on Thursday. Justin, is it a different feel playing in a tournament with the automatic bid on the line than, uh, say, a, a, a regular season series when you're playing one game a day for three days? Uh, yeah, I mean, our goal is still to play one game a day for three days, and that gets us the championship. That's the easiest route to do it um, with the way our tournament's set up is one win on Thursday, one win on Friday, and then one win on sun- or Saturday gets the job done. Um, but I, it's, it's weird because early in the conference slate, we had a lot of run rules. We weren't really playing stressful softball. Um, but really the last six games, uh, San Diego State coming to us, uh, really competitive games all three days. Um, and then Fresno State playing tight. I think we felt the pressure of having to win to win the regular season. So we've been playing postseason softball for two weeks now, and I think our job is we've already felt the emotions of it is just to go out and uh, keep playing in that mindset of uh, one game at a time and don't worry about what's coming next because you never know what's going to come of it. Before the season started, did you expect to have a big home run hitting team or was it a surprise to you? No, I, I think we always want – I think that's kind of our identity at times is we do want to hit the long ball. Um, being in a little higher elevation conference, you gotta you got to have some hitters who can do that. Um, did I think we were going to break the home run record again? Um, no, I did not. But uh, I, it's a testament to these kids, especially with the strength of schedule. I think our strength of schedule is so much tougher this year. So I thought our numbers would drop probably a little bit just due to competition, and we've actually – um, exceeded almost all of our numbers from last year. And so that's what I'm most proud of is they didn't allow the early woes to get to them mentally. They they built off of it and um, really performed well down the stretch. So the Mountain West is going to be selecting uh, all-conference team coming up tomorrow morning. A- any chance of anybody on your team being able to make all-conference this year? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we've got a few kids that are <laughs> – I think we've got a few athletes that are um, worthy of those awards uh, 
I think Kelsey Hall is in the mix for player of the year. Um, I think Mac Barbara at San Diego State's another fierce competitor. I think it'll be between her and Kelsey for that award. Um, I think pitcher of the year, Taylor, and um, once again, San Diego State, Allie Light um, should be up for pitcher of the year. And I, I think, I mean, I, I, you can nominate up to nine, and I try to nominate as honestly as possible. And I nominated nine this year because our statistics were that good in conference. I think we had nine athletes possibly even 10 athletes who are worthy of the awards. We'll see how the coaches vote, um, but I, I think regardless of who gets it, um, we've got probably the deepest team in the conference. I, I was going to mention that. I mean, I think the other day I looked, there's like seven or eight players that have, I think, seven or more home runs this season. You've got a ton of players hitting 300. You have two pitchers that have, have really done well, especially in conference play. Is that Again, we talked about sort of expectations, but is that what you expected? Did you expect to have a really balanced team this year? Yeah, we preach it. I mean, that's what we want. Is um, I think you, you look at some teams around the country and they really focus on their nucleus of their best four or five players. Um, we push hard in the fall. We want twenty. We've got twenty six athletes on our team, and we want twenty six athletes to develop. Um, and then when we get into season, we've got depth because I think we push so hard in the fall of developing everybody, and then they kind of take care of themselves. So I, I expected a deep roster. Did I expect um, we'd have those types of numbers um, one through nine? Um, no, I don't think anybody expects to have that many home runs consistently down the order, but it's nice to have because it definitely puts a lot of pressure on the opposing pitchers. Once again, we're talking with uh, softball coach Justin Schultz this morning. We'll need to take a break here when we come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, about expectations for the upcoming tournament. Uh, also, uh, want to get into a little bit of what you see possibly next year uh, after you see some graduation uh, from this team. We'll get to that coming up here next on Bronco Tuesday. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. 8.49, once again, it is Bronco Tuesday, talking to head coach of the softball team, Justin Schultz. Thanks for being with us. Uh, as we get back into this thing, I, I want to ask you uh, about Kelsey Hall, because she went on a streak earlier this year, um, hitting home runs and just just so hot, and she was for a while getting the Barry Bonds treatment, where it's like, we don't want any part of her, just walk her. Have you ever had a player that got that hot for that period of time? No, she's definitely an anomaly in my coaching career. I've had some really good athletes who have had some nice streaks, but um, yeah, I think it was like 18 at-bats where she had like seven or eight home runs and <laughs> hadn't gotten out, so like that was a, a crazy streak. I think she won National Player of the Week um, in one in one of those weeks that she was extremely hot. So now that's um, it was it doesn't happen often if ever, and it was a lot of fun watching what she was doing because yeah, um, it, she could not miss the barrel. One of the players I want to highlight for just a second is your catcher Serena Hutchinson because I think catcher is such a important part of the team both in helping the pitching staff as well as looking at what she did uh, in the in the batter's box. So uh, talk a little bit about her, and I, I believe she's a senior, right? This is her final go round. It is, yeah, it is. Um, she's a, a a great athlete, a, a great leader. Um, she's 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 one of those kids we talk about staying healthy. Um, she's caught almost every single game for us, um, especially down the stretch. And so she's a little banged up right now, um, but she keeps competing. She's um, working her butt off, and I'm proud of her. She's um, she's doing a good job, and we're we're not done yet. But I think she's a big reason why. Um, we've been able to have success. She she controls the run game on defense. Her offensive numbers have been solid, 
Um, but more importantly, nobody tries to steal on us because of what she does behind the plate. I think your uh, your home run numbers are, are for the season are, are pretty impressive, uh, s- simply because you, the the leader Flores had twelve, and then there are two players with eleven, one with ten, one with nine, one with eight, one with seven. That's pretty well spread out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It just and that's what we talk about all the time. Is we want we want twenty one hard outs in in the game, um, and so for us it. Is it going to be from our top three hitters? Is it going to be from our bottom three hitters? It doesn't really matter. We just want to make sure that we've got at least three or four hitters hot at the same time, um, and we're going to win a lot of ball games that way. San Diego State, probably, uh, you would agree, probably the second best team just because uh, of record. And you go to San Diego State because they won the uh, league last year, so they get a host the tournament this year. I want to move ahead to next year. And I know Jeremiah Dickey is on the record as being on the same uh, level that you are about wanting to host, but the only way that you can host next year is if you get lights installed on the field. Is that a realistic possibility before the end of next year, having that money raised and being able to get it installed so that you can host next year's Mountain West Championship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I joked uh, in one of my first interviews after we won, um, I'm going to be calling Jeremiah because it's going to take lights to host. Um, but Jer- uh, he's, he's relentless. I think that's one thing he's going to do is he knows that uh, we did our part as a softball program and he wants to honor our athletes. And so he's going to do everything in his power. Uh, my boss, Cody Smith, has already been on the phone with people trying to figure out how we can expedite this process. Um, so I do think it's a realistic um, a realistic goal for us. And I, I, I truly believe we will be hosting next year. Um, I don't think there's a scenario where they're not going to make this happen for us. Uh, they, they, they know what's on the, on the line for us. And um, no, that's a big reason I took this job is I knew this department um, works for all, all student athletes uh, and not necessarily just the big ones. That would be awesome. Let's let's talk about the task at hand, and that's winning the tournament. You're going to face the winner of San Jose State and Fresno State, uh, five o'clock Mountain Time on Thursday. They'll play in the morning, so uh, you guys had some competitive games with both. What do you think is going to decide that play-in game between the Spartans and Bulldogs? I think it's going to be pitching and defense for both of them. You watch both those teams, and I think those are two of the teams our offense struggled with the most. Um, and it's a tip your cap to their pitching staffs. Um, Janisa Ulegi from San Jose State, um, really solid pitcher, kept us off balance. Luckily, Taylor Cottle was lights out in that one nothing win, and it took us nine innings to score a run against her. Um, and then on the flip side, you get Taylor Gilmore, and you have um, Soraya Nice, who uh, two they kind of piggyback games together. One will throw four innings, one will throw three, and it's a great combo. And so I, I'm expecting a low-scoring game there. I'm hoping it goes 15 or 16 innings um, to wear those pitchers down because they've got to take a breather and then play us later in the day. So I'm hoping that's a, a dog fight so we get some tired pitching in that second game. Well, uh, good luck this uh, weekend. Justin, thank you for being with us. Congratulations on a great season. And, Mash, I, I sure hope we're talking about you uh, getting into the NCAA and possibly winning the uh, Mountain West. Either way, getting into the NCAA tournament. Appreciate you talking with us this season. Look forward to talking to you again next year. Always a great time, guys. I appreciate you. Justin Schultz, once again, head coach of the uh, softball team, Boise State. Take a break. Wrap things up. Coming up next, it's Bronco Tuesday. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Once again, this is the final Bronco Tuesday. Bronco Monday ended a little while ago. We'll begin them in the fall again when Boise State football comes back looking forward to 
football season uh, and what we're going to see from Boise State this year with a fairly young team in a lot of areas. I do want to say, as, as we uh, kind of wrap up the season, um, I saw an interesting stat yesterday. Boise State men's basketball team is the only team in the Mountain West. This is how much basketball has changed. The only team in the Mountain West this year did, did not lose a starter to the transfer portal. That's mm-hmm. All the other teams lost at least one starter to the transfer portal. To the portal. Now, all the teams, including Boise State, probably lost a starter to graduation. Right, right. But as far as to say, transfer you know what, portal. I'm not going to come yep. back, I'm not going to play for the team I'm with, and then not only did Boise State not lose the start of the portal, but it looks like they gained some people from yeah, the portal, yeah, too. Yeah, looking good. Bob, as usual, uh, I'm going to miss you until fall, but look forward to the beginning of uh, a football season in the fall again when we bring, out, bring back Bronco Monday and Bronco Tuesday. Live home, live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. This is Jim Ryan, two days after the mass shooting in Living Allen. Eight eyes, five nays, and zero present not voting. The motion provoked. A committee of the Texas House voted to raise the minimum age for buying assault-style weapons from 18 to 21. It wouldn't have made a difference in Allen because gunman Mauricio Garcia was 33. And while the measure is unlikely to see a vote in the full Texas House, the families of some mass shooting victims see Monday's vote as a sign of movement in a state that has refused to budge on gun legislation. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. It'll be interesting to watch this week. A lot of people don't think it has a chance of passing. And once again, I'm one of those people I don't understand Raising the age, um, I guess maybe you you could look at it and say, hey, look, it's a negotiation. We're going to give up something that maybe we don't want to give up so that we don't have to give up something we really don't want to give up, and that's raising the age from 18 to 21. The problems I see with this, once again, you say, all right, if you're uh, over the age uh, of 18 but under 21, you're not allowed to own, possess shoot a weapon. However, if you go in the military, that's the first thing they do is hand you a weapon. Yeah. And you, and you only have to be 18 to get you, into the military. You don't have to be 21 there. That's true. Like I said, I don't think you're going to see this pass. They were really excited, as you heard there, um, that it that it did pass one arm of the legislature. Mm-hmm. That might be. <laughs> I, I in, the other part of this I just don't get is because mo- I mean the the person who is accused of murder murdering all these people in the mass shooting in Texas was not yeah. under the age of twenty. So you, you can't really you can't really even call it a reactionary vote because it's no. got nothing to do with what happened. This and, and and what do, I mean, what good do, does it do? How many mass shootings are being caused by 18, 19 year olds, twenty year olds? <sighs> I don't. You don't hear a lot. The one before that, the week before that, with the uh, illegal who'd been kicked out of the country four previous times and mm-hmm. had committed various crimes, was not allowed to own a gun. Was not under the age of twenty-one no. either. He no, was he in wasn't. his thirties, so it wouldn't have it wouldn't have stopped. This is one of those things. Either one of those. This is like chipping away. I, I guess they figure it's it's not really doing anything that'll make a huge difference, but it's chipping away little by little. It is an interesting juxtaposition politically when you look at the mass murders in Texas over the last week. So you have the mass murder in Texas where the gunman shot and killed 
eight people and renewing the calls for bans on assault weapons. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the same week, 18 people were hit by a driver. Eight of them were killed. He's now been accused of uh, and charged with murder. Um, but there's nobody wanting to ban assault vehicles. You have UC Davis college student accused of stabbing three people here a week and a half ago and killing two people in Davis, California. Nobody's calling to get rid of knives. We don't even know. I mean, we know what people think are assault weapons. Mm-hmm. Well, it, knives, It's an arbitrary definition of what is an assault weapon. You know, cars have a lot of uh, uh, purposes. Get you from point A to point B. Haul things things uh knives have a lot of purposes cut food rope you know wood whatever uh what they call assault weapons basically have one purpose and that's to kill people right so they just want to get rid of that well it's not it doesn't have a second purpose yeah you have other purposes hunting same 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 do do, do people hunt with yeah because ar-15s yeah Huh. <laughs> and that that's the crazy part it's like what is an assault weapon you know you have people well it's an ar-15 style weapon so we need to ban ar-15 style weapons except the problem is ar-15 style weapons the only thing different between an ar-15 style weapon and another exact same weapon that fires the exact same bullet is that one looks scary because it has these plastic things on it Handles, you can get a sight added on it. You can get an extended stock, what, whatever. They're they're easy to customize, and that they want to get rid of those type of weapons. So now you're calling for us to get rid of all weapons? No, I'm saying how stupid <laughs> it is to say, here we want to get rid of this uh, AR-15 style weapon. Okay, why? Because it's more dangerous. It, it shoots a higher capacity um, bullet. No, it doesn't. The only difference in this weapon and this other weapon that doesn't look scary is one looks scary and one doesn't. Yeah. They f- they have the same well, I mean, firepower. They a, use the same bullet. They fire a, just as rapidly as the other each other. Is it a good enough reason that so many of the people who want to commit mayhem and kill at random choose that as their weapon? Not really. I mean, it's it, you're doing it based just on looks. Now, if there was a discernible difference in the weapon, like like you can say, all right, here, here's here's this weapon. This weapon fires twice as fast as this other semi-automatic. Right. And not only does it fire twice as fast, but when you use that same bullet, and we had someone call here a couple of weeks ago, say, well, the reason AR-15s are so dangerous is because when the gun is fired, the bullet tumbles. No, it doesn't. If a bullet tumbles, you'd never hit a target. They thought that the bullet tumbles, and so it caused a bigger hole going into a person. No. All rifles have rifling so that they come out circular so that they keep on target. If If a bullet tumbled as it came out of the weapon, yeah, it would cause a mass amount of damage as long as you stood within five feet of where it got fired. If you were 50 feet away, you'd never hit anybody. They do a lot of damage, but then again, generally somebody who gets shot with one of those doesn't get shot just once. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. What are are your opinions, once again, on what's happening? Is lowering the age, is that just a a visual thing? Hey, look, we did something. 
Or do you think lowering the age from 20 or uh, increasing the age of, of owning or possessing a weapon from 18 to 21 would actually do something? I don't know because, I mean, it hasn't, hasn't been done nationally. In Texas, if it does pass, I guess we would get to see if raising the age from 18 yeah. to 21 would, would cause, cause I, it to I, go down. I, I feel like it's just one of those, uh, hey, let's do something as opposed to nothing votes. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to weigh in, you can email Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com. Mike and Star, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Yeah, hi, Mike. Um, I'm sure myself and a lot of listeners out there today would like to know what a high-capacity bullet is that you just spoke about. Um, I think I mis- misspoke. I meant high-capacity weapon. Magazine, uh, magazine, high-capacity yeah, high magazine. magazine. Yeah, yeah, not a high-capacity bullet. Get your, get your facts straight, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. I misspoke. I didn't mean to hurt your little feelings. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry I misspoke, Mike. If your feelers got hurt, I apologize. Maybe, maybe you can get under, uh, you know, a blanket and uh, suck your thumb for a little well, while. Maybe that'll have a, make you feel better. A, he does have a point, though. There, you know, really aren't any high capacity bullets. No, and and he's right. I misspoke. I meant high capacity. There we go. Guns, magazines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good grief. Sorry. Have you, ever subs- have you ever subscribed to a high capacity magazine? Uh, no. Less uh, Playboy, maybe. They're all online now, anyway. Yeah, you don't have to. Uh, other things to talk about uh, this morning, by the way. We've got a couple of things that are going to be going on. I just saw uh, a picture here a little bit ago. It's amazing the lineup of people, illegals, sitting outside our border right now. They're just in line waiting for Title 42. Well, that's very polite of them, actually. Not to end actually on be crossing the Thursday. border, but just waiting outside of it. Then. Well, right now, if you cross the border, you get turned away. Yeah. So, so that, you know, what they're doing? Good plan. They have lined up, and they are now just waiting. Thousands and thousands are waiting for Thursday's Title Forty Two to end, so they can just come in. And as soon as they say the word "asylum," they're allowed to enter the country. The one magic asylum. I wonder how many just want to try Tex-Mex and then leave. Open Sesame. No, I'm sorry, wrong word. Asylum. We go back to Title Eight, where you can't be kicked out of the country. You have to be let in and start going through the legal channels on this side of the border. Then there's Title Nine, where you can, you know, oh, don't let's not play. We don't have sports. We don't have time to get into Title Nine on top of all this. Today. You don't have to have a special league for people in the country illegally. You can just. I do want to talk about this later. This everyone week. Not, gets to play. We don't have time to do this this morning um, because there is a couple of things that happened this week that women are starting to freak out over. And that is uh, a woman's bike tournament, very prestigious bicycle tournament, um, was won by a male. And it caused one of the top female bike riders in the country to retire because she was beaten. You mean it was won by a transgendered female? Yes, uh, transgender. So a biological male won the race, a female's uh, women's bicycle race. And one of the top women's racers decided to retire instead of trying to beat her because she was beaten by two men basically, in the women's race. Um, There was also a poker tournament, which you wouldn't think. I mean, that's that's one where you can say when it comes to poker. It was a female poker tournament? It was a female, all-female poker tournament won by a male. 
And nobody really complained about it while he was playing. They were well, they were like, okay, but... Because that's not really based on physical strength. Right. But now the P, the women who are in the tournament are pissed because a male won the all-woman's tournament, and they're going, we need we need rule change. And here's a tournament where you don't see why, a why difference. Why would you have a, a poker tournament that was split up between men and women anyway? What do you mean? I mean, it just seems like poker is one of those things that everyone should compete on the same playing field. You you would or, think or table as you it would were. think, but if you go to a poker tournament, ninety percent of the poker tournament is going to be men. Hmm. Um, so I don't. There are women are smarter with money, right? I don't know what the okay. what the reasoning is, but you're exactly right. There's no difference when it comes to men and women at a poker tournament. It's not about strength or whatever. It's about mind power. Uh, however, and and women really didn't have a big problem with it other than the fact this is a women's turn why is a guy in this until the guy won and now they're going we need to close this out so that only women can be in the women's tournament and here's a tournament the type of competition where it doesn't matter how strong you are how tall you are how much you weigh it all comes down to how well you play poker but yet they're still freaking out about it we'll get to that later this week we don't have to be interesting if poker was like you know divided into weight classes like boxing no we're going to have the flyweight poker tournament. <laughs> I'm, I identify as a flyweight. Would, would I be allowed to get in there? Yeah, Probably a, not. It'd have to be like Jeff Goldblum fly. <laughs> 208-336-3700-pound, 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, the debt a, crisis is also or looming. An, or an airplane. They can fly. What would you like to see done this afternoon? Uh, they're set to meet over the debt crisis and whether or not there will be any movement on either side, Republican or Democrats, on coming together and making a decision to raise the debt ceiling. If we're going to see a decision coming up this afternoon, somebody's going to, we're going to have to see movement from both sides, and that means Biden's going to have to say, fine, uh, I'll, I'll make some sort of commitment to working on you with the, the budget as long as you agree to raise the debt ceiling coming up here in by June 1st. If you want to weigh in on that, please feel free. Phone lines are open. Also, you can email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. For your Google Play, simply say, Hey Google, play 670-KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Police say 34-year-old George Alvarez ran a red light before jumping the curb and plowing into 18 people, killing eight. Alvarez is facing multiple charges, including manslaughter and assault with a deadly weapon. Police could not confirm if the crash was intentional, but said Alvarez tried to escape afterward and was detained by several people on the scene. All of the victims were men, nearly all of them Venezuelan migrants, waiting at this bus stop across the street from the Ozerman Center, a shelter for migrants. Alvarez has an extensive criminal record that includes driving while intoxicated. Investigators here are waiting for the latest toxicology report to come back. He's being held on a $3.6 million bond. Once again, we don't have a lot of information still coming out. More is coming out. We uh, heard allegations that after running the red light, the vehicle picked up steam before it plowed into those 18 individuals, killing eight. And the eyewitnesses said the guy was yelling insults at them uh, out the window as he was approaching. James in Garden City uh, writes in Mike at KBY.com. If the types of weapons are the same, I have three questions. Why is it so often the type of weapon selected by uh, mass shooters? Well, it's not. It's the one you hear most often, but it's not the one that is used in the majority of mass shootings. 
Why can't the hunters use the traditional ones? Uh, they do. And if a potential mass shooter had trouble getting an assault-style rifle, would it give them pause? No, I think they'd just buy another weapon. No, they'd have the same hands they had before. Yeah, uh, you're, you're not taking away uh, you know, the ability to buy any weapon. You're taking away the ability to buy the assault-style rifle is right. all you're, you're taking away. Um. John writes in, a, this kind of answers a little bit of your, your question, too. Uh, John writes in another email, says, AR-15-style weapons only make up about 3% of mass shootings. Handguns are by far more dangerous than AR-15s. Also, raising the age for purchase will only make more people vulnerable to violence without a way to defend themselves. Guns are not the problem. What is the problem, John? I mean, I... You just say guns are not the problem. I mean, I know what I think the problem is, but I'm curious what you think. Well, I, I said yesterday, I think the problem is idiots with guns. Dennis Wilder, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Yeah, guys. Hey, you know, it's. I guess we've all talked about this before, but it's 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 a hard issue. It's not a it's not a gun issue. I mean, you can go to Bymart and buy a Ruger, the new Ruger nine uh, millimeter uh, carbine rifle. That has a 15-round clip. That's not an assault style, according to everybody's definition, and it'll do it'll do damage as well. So it's the weapon is available. It's the it's the heart issue of the guy that's got it is the problem, and that's no one ever seems to seem to really give a lot of credence to that side of it. It's very frustrating. What do we do? I mean, because actually, actually state legislators in almost every state where. Mass shootings happen. The first thing they talk about is mental health. Yeah. Well, and, and really think about this too. Oh, yes, mass shootings are horrible. But if you took the the sum total of deaths in mass shootings versus the sum total of deaths that just happen every day in you know especially liberal cities, but most most cities where there's a lot of crime, it doesn't even compare. And, and probably none of those guys are using you know Armalite rifles. Yeah. It's just it's it's a hard issue. It's not it's not the gun. I don't know. It's, it's just very frustrating. Yeah. You mentioned liberal cities. Name a conservative city. A conservative city? Yeah. A, well, a, a major one. I would, yeah, a major one. A major conservative city. Yeah, that's tough. I know. Maybe yeah, Helena, Montana. It is. They both is that conservative. Not, not just a not just a capital one with a lot of uh, you know people in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they tend to all end up being liberal. The big, the bigger the city. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. There, you can legislate it all, all you want, and it's not going to change. You mentioned that you think it has to do more with mental health. What, what can you mental, mental health wise? Do you have, do you have an answer to that? Because that gets brought up all the time, but I never hear a person, Hey, it's mental health. We need to take care of the mental health in our country. But what do you do? Do you say, all right, if you have mental health problems, which the guy in Texas was kicked out of the military because apparently mental health problems. Um, the fact that you are shooting people, mass shooting means in my personal opinion, you have mental health problems. But what do you what do you do? Do you say, all right, anybody with a mental health problem isn't allowed to buy a gun? How do you you know you know what I mean? Yeah. How do you, how do you, you address know, it, that? It seems to me like mental health gets to be a broad painted uh, label on you know there's there's mental health issues and schizophrenia and autism and and depression and all of those things. But evil, I don't think evil is a mental health issue. 
All right. Evil is evil. All right. Thank you for the call, Dennis. Um, We'll take a break. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless News. Coming up here next as we go to break, I promised we were going to have a $50 gift certificate to Quinn's Restaurant and Lounge. Caller number six. That $50 gift certificate is yours. Doc, carefully. Good luck. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Stock market's been uh, relatively flat today. Like I said, uh, I think their stock market, Dow, NASDAQ, Standard & Poor, not doing a whole lot today because they are waiting to see what happens when the uh, meeting happens uh, a little bit later today, getting together on raising the debt ceiling. Will President Biden move off of his demand that he refuses not to negotiate on the uh, budget as far as trying to raise the debt ceiling, get done, he's not going to be held hostage by that. Or will uh, Republicans come off their budget and wanting to increase the debt ceiling, which everybody agrees debt ceiling needs to be re- increased. However, the uh, fight now is over whether or not there will be budget concessions or whether there will not be budget concessions. Coming out of that meeting, um, we could see a big movement on the stock market today uh, after hearing or seeing what comes out of that meeting. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Of course, Nate Showman. show starts at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, he'll be talking about that. Got an email in. Uh, this one from Carlos says, Okay, I'm going to use an analogy. So the Toyota Camry is a very common basic car, right? We'll say a Border Patrol stops 10 cars in a week smuggling drugs from country A to country B. Eight out of those 10 cars are Camrys, and the Border Patrol decides something must be done. Since they see most, uh, most the uh, since they see the use of mostly Camrys to smuggle and decide this is the problem, if we can just get rid of the Camrys, they'll not be able to use them to smuggle drugs. See how silly that sounds? Everyone and their grandmother has a Camry. If you ban them, what will they do with all of them? Pile them into junkyards? What about the lawful citizens that just drive because it's economical? Will they become felons? Will you buy back with government funds? Where will you get the funds to buy all those rifles or all those rifles, all those uh, vehicles back? Uh, no one is going to buy a banned car except for criminals. The only reason Camrys are being used is because they're extremely cheap and economical and you can find them anywhere. Theoretically, even if you manage to magically make all the Camrys disappear without hurting the poor grandmother on welfare that drives it so to the soup kitchen, the smugglers will still just use a Honda Civic instead. <laughs> That's from Carlos. Those are also cars that aren't necessarily uh, pulled over that frequently, just simply because they kind of blend in. Mm-hmm. Bruce in Loman uh, says maybe the person that ran into the crowd was yelling exclamations at or about his car that was malfunctioning and was out of his control. Uh, I don't know. I, I, they've already charged him with at least manslaughter, if not, uh, if not murder. So I think they think he did it on purpose. James uh, writes in, Mike at KBOI.com, uh, different take. AR-15 rifle used in Texas mall shooting was among multiple weapons. They were legally purchased by the gunman Mauricio Garcia. Assault weapons, military, military style firearms designed to fire rapidly are a threat to our security, to the lives of our families, and we should treat them as such. Most AR-15s fire 223 Remington and 556 NATO ammo, a 223 uh Caliber round wobbles or corkscrews in flight, making it far deadlier than a 30 caliber bullet it replaced. It ricochets and tears organs. It can enter the ankle and exit through a shoulder. It's far more common for a 22 round as its purpose is to kill a human enemy, not shoot a rabbit. 
The AR-15 styles were banned for 10 years, from 1994 to 2004. There have been 22 mass killings in 2023, defined as four or more people killed, not including the perpetrator. It's time to ban assault weapons for fun again. These are facts you don't know or just choose to ignore. That's from James. Frank says it would be great if the Idaho legislature could keep their head out of the culture war crap and keep their eye on the ball. That's probably too much to ask. They will continue passing ridiculous laws that the people have to pay for in court. I'm just curious, uh, specifically, what are you talking about? Yeah, is he, this, he doesn't say. So. Yeah, is, it, is this talking about getting rid of the primary and then forgetting to put the primary back in in May mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier this morning? I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's what you're talking about. R. Meridian writes in and says, uh, Good rainy morning, Ms. Moon a bit flippant about how she gets blamed for everything. Nothing like stepping up and taking ownership for your mistakes. Isn't that what she's there for, leading our majority party? Even with a supermajority in a very red state, they still make bonehead mistakes like not rescheduling our presidential party. We're so hell-bent on shutting down everyone else that we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Our hubris is showing. Now, I think the name means he's a Republican that lives in, in uh, Meridian, he or she. Dorothy Moon, you might remember, used to be a legislator. She is not now, so she doesn't have a say necessarily in what gets done in the uh, legislature. She is, however, the chairwoman of the GOP party, but as chairwoman, you, you don't have powers in the legislature. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, somebody the just screwed up in the legislature. large majority of legislators do belong to that party. Yeah, yeah. And somebody, so I, hey, I admit it, and I think Dorothy Moon admitted it, too, that somebody screwed up. I don't know who that somebody, it's more than one somebody that screwed up, as we mentioned, because they moved to have the primary moved from March to May, and they did it as a cost-saving for the state of Idaho. However, they forgot to add the amendment that added the May primary in for the presidential election next year so now we're in a position in case you had not heard and once again if you want to hear dorothy moon was on with nate shellman yesterday you can check out that interview uh, on his podcast just go to kboi.com and and lays out we have different ways to address this one of the ways is we do nothing and idaho just doesn't participate in the idaho in the primary for presidential election in 2024 if we do nothing, that's that's one of the options, though. But that would make a huge difference nationwide. <laughs> that's just it. It's like how much how much say do we have? Because some people and, and Dorothy Moon is right. She wants it to go back to March, and a lot of people want to see the primary in March because by May, the decision has already been made. Most people have dropped out. A lot yeah. of them have already dropped out. So the decision on at who's least, going to be, you don't least, really have a say in the primary anyway. At least when it's in March, a few people show up here to make speeches. Yes. In May, you probably wouldn't see that. I, I think um, Cruz was the only one I think showed up in the last... Well, and he was the one who won the primary, yeah, too. Uh, yeah, he picked up quite a few votes. Uh, the other options, by the way, if you want to weigh in on your thoughts on what you would like to see done, is the state does, the Republicans do a caucus, Republican caucus, which we have done in the past. As a matter of fact, it's what, um, within the last decade or so that we had caucuses. Or you could also have a Republican convention in the state an excuse for a big party what would you like what would you rather see you're a republican calling in this morning what would you rather see is it a big enough deal that maybe you do something about it now that 
if you were going to add the primary and it's too late to do the primary in March, even if the legislature came back in, you well, couldn't add it in it's, March. It's too late to reschedule one for March. That's, yes. Yeah. However, if you wanted to add the primary back in for May, is, as it is, currently is run, you is, could do that. But is April out of the question? I, I think April's even out of the question. Oh, okay. I think you, but the only way to do that is you would have to call the legislature back in for a special session, which would once again. Cost the taxpayers money. Uh, you can weigh in on your thoughts on which one you think would be the best. 208-336-3700. Andrew writes in on another subject we were talking about uh, this morning. He says, hi, Mike. Can I, cannot, I cannot say in northern Idaho uh, about how they figure out gas prices, but in eastern Idaho, they have an 85-octane fuel uh, yeah. as their low-octane, and very low. few 85-octane pumps in Boise area. A lower-octane fuel is less expensive, and that's why you run into less cost for gas in eastern Idaho. Can you get 85 in this area? I don't... I'm not aware of 85. Maybe you can some places. I'm not aware of 85 anywhere in the Boise area. I think the lowest I've know. seen I'm, is like 87, 88, eight, something eight, like I that. I saw 86 at Maverick, but that's Did 10 you? years ago. I mean, I, I don't you know drive myself anymore. Yeah, so I don't, if, if somebody listening knows if you can find 85 octane here in the uh, Boise or Treasure Valley area... We right now have the highest gas prices in Idaho. Average price in Boise is three dollars and ninety cents. Average price in wow. Idaho is is three sixty five. So we're higher than anywhere in Idaho. Eastern Idaho, as we told you, um, three fifty two to three fifty three in Idaho Falls and Pocatello. Our average is really above average. I'm really hating the fact that I think Memorial Day weekend. My prediction is we hit in Boise four dollars a gallon by Memorial Day weekend. That's my. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm I'm going out on a limb, and I'm predicting that now. That's kind of funny. I mean, I've in in the past I've been just fine with paying four dollars for a gallon of gas if I was in Hawaii. <laughs> Um, no name on this email. Mike at KBOI.com says criminals could be only using BB guns and our government would still want to only ban military-style guns, the ones citizens would use to defend themselves against a tyrannical government. The real and only reason anyone is trying to ban guns. By the way, there is nothing you can do to stop a person from doing evil if they really desire to do so. And I pray we never punish someone before they commit a crime. Life comes with risks, especially if you want freedom. There would be fewer risks if more people carried guns. We do have the evidence, though, of much lower murder rates in countries that don't have at all. Now, I'm not suggesting that we completely get rid of them, but I'm just saying that the countries that don't have them at all, they don't have nearly as many murders. I'm curious... They do have murders. Everybody yeah, has murders. Everybody has murders. I'm, I'm curious why all of a sudden or somebody, but. in Serbia, which has a high rate of gun ownership, yeah. why in Serbia they had never had a school shooting until two weeks ago in their history. And just a few days after that, they had another mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of mass Shootings where people just go after civilians and shoot civilians. And that country has the fifth, I think I saw a fifth most gun ownership of any country mm-hmm. in the world. Why, why in that country have you never seen a mass school shooting until just recently when they have a large number of people? Maybe. And then why all of a sudden did it start? Maybe look, these things are due to more than just one or two factors, but a lot of factors. I'm wondering if you saw... Part of it, I, I, I get the feeling sometimes it's like, oh, this seems like it's a copycat thing. 
you know, people who say it's all mental health. Well, they have mentally ill people in other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's combinations of things. Mental health combined with guns sometimes ends up, you know, being bad. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wires. We'll take a break. One more segment on the way. Final chance to get through. If you'd like, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 9.51, uh, once again, a reminder, Governor Brad Little had to postpone last week's interview uh, last Thursday, but he will be on with us coming up tomorrow morning. Everything will be the same. At 9 o'clock, it's just tomorrow morning, Wednesday instead of Thursday, and uh, we'll also take have time for some questions. By the way, if you want to start emailing questions in for the governor right now, you can do that, but we will take some phone calls coming up tomorrow morning. Once again, he'll be with us live beginning at 9 o'clock. Abby writes in a text message, says, why haven't you guys mentioned that Allen Outlet Mall where the eight people were killed is a gun-free zone? Well, Abby, I don't think it really matters because the shooting did not happen inside the mall. Shooting happened outside on the street. Outside on the street is not a gun-free zone in Texas. So that's kind of why we haven't mentioned it. It probably would be mentioned if the fact that he had gone, you know, inside the mall someplace and started shooting people that might be relevant this is it's not relevant here he he got well, out of his vehicle and started shooting right there I, on the street it didn't even occur to me that it was a gun-free zone because he was shot by somebody who had one well and it was a police officer who happened to be responding to another call how bad would that have been if that police officer had not been there i think he would have killed more people a whole bunch more don't you think probably I don't know how close other police officers were, but this this police officer just happened to be responding to another call close to this area, so he was right there. Uh, Dan writes in, I just wanted to bring back into the conversation again, this little wind farm on Lava Ridge was going to happen no matter what we say. Unfortunately, we the people have little or no choice in projects like this that cost over a billion dollars to make. This is just the beginning of government taking away our public lands and giving them to people who stand to become filthy rich off of it and not benefit our economy. I do have some problems, Dan, because when we talked about the Lava Ridge Project last week, so many people are against it. So many of our leaders, are all, every single one of our legislators is against against it, the Senate, all our senators are against it. Governor Brad Little is against it. And yet we heard last week that people have been through that area and said, hey, they're already doing this. This hasn't even officially been approved yet, yet it's already being done. So I'm wondering, and this might be something we could ask the governor tomorrow morning. You know, even though we're saying, hey, there's a lot of people who don't want to see this in Idaho you have people saying that are driving there, and I have it myself, but saying, hey, they're already laying the lines for for this to be done. So why is this underway already if it hasn't been approved? John writes in and says, why is it that NRA membership is not a commonality with any shooting event, but yet the politicians seem to always attack the NRA? Uh, not all the politicians attack the NRA. Mostly it's the ones who do not like guns. And they attack the NRA not because... The shooters are members of the NRA, as as you point out. They're usually not. They attack them because the NRA gives a lot of money to campaigns of politicians who promise not to make any 
laws whatsoever restricting any kind of uh, gun sales or gun use. Right. And uh, they're against that part of it. Um, Wayne writes in, this is a subject we talked about yesterday, just was wondering if you guys think that some of the reasoning behind the surprising poll numbers for Biden versus Trump are due to the fact that the electorate uh, electorate feels that they were duped by the Biden campaign. For example, Biden is much more progressive than he ran on. Look at social energy policies. People uh, now know he lied to them about his son Hunter and what he knew. His COVID policies did nothing. COVID is over because it has run through the populace. I'm just thinking. I don't think it's one thing to tell you the truth. I really don't. On uh, why his poll numbers? I, I don't think you can point to that. Oh, he did a horrible job with COVID. I'm just using it as an example. Or he's done a horrible job with the economy. Or man, this guy is just not mentally there. I don't think it's you can point to one and say that's the reason people don't like him. That's my opinion. Thanks for the email, Wayne. Yeah. That's about it for today. Once again, Governor Brad Little will be with us coming up tomorrow morning. Once again, if you have questions, email him right now. Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. We'll be back tomorrow again. More Luke Combs concert tickets coming your way. Uh, plus, Idaho Steelheads tickets tomorrow morning. Be listening in.